This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much, Randall, for reading the scripture and praying for us this morning. Psalm 78 is a psalm of history. Most of its verses are describing events from the history of Israel. It shows how God patiently persevered with his people, even when they shunned him, even when they disbelieved him. But Psalm 78 is also a psalm of urgency. It it confronts us with the absolute necessity of reaching the next generation for God with the gospel. It is an urgent psalm. And every new generation is obligated to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ for itself. And that's why it continues to be urgent, generation after generation. If if faith comes from hearing, and it does, then we need to rehearse the old, old story again and again and again and again uh, until the coming generation hears it, receives it, believes it, and begins to live it. Because it is the will of God, we must reach the coming generation with the gospel of God. Let me say that again. Because it is the will of God, we must reach the coming generation with the gospel of God. And Psalm 78 actually suggests a, a number of, gives us a number of, of valuable suggestions for influencing our children and our grandchildren with the life-changing message of Jesus. First of all, make God famous in your family. First four verses of the psalm. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So this this psalm begins by calling attention to its purpose, which is to tell the coming generation about the praiseworthy, powerful, wonder-filled things that God has done. The parables and hidden things that he mentions in verse 2 are are not top-secret, concealed teachings. Rather, the, the parables and riddles, another way of translating that word from the Hebrew, Parables and riddles were common in the wisdom literature of of Israel, especially the book of Proverbs. And these first four verses of Psalm 78 sound very much like the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. But the, the people of Israel, the people of God, were under obligation to make God famous in their family circle. Just have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, for example. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
So you see, they took advantage of the everyday moments to teach their children about Yahweh, about Jehovah God. Everyday moments, bedtime, bath time, dinner time. Talk about the Lord and his wonderful deeds. Talk about Jesus when you're sitting on the deck or when you take a walk in the neighborhood or when you play in the park or when you watch the Maple Leafs lose again. Everyday moments. When the kids go to bed, when they get up in the morning, uh, find a way to turn the conversation to the wonders of God and his glorious deeds. It's really not that hard. It's not rocket science. You know, when our own kids were young, we, we, like most families with young children, ate dinner together every night. And almost every night at dinner time, we would uh, read the Bible and a short devotional story from a kid's devotional that we had bought. And once they were old enough, our kids took turns reading from the Bible and and reading the, the devotional story, and then we prayed together. That's all it was. It was a very simple process, but we did it night after night, week after week, month after month, reading together, praying together, making Jesus more famous in our home, one conversation at a time, one meal at a time, one day at a time. Today is Father's Day, and there's no better day than to encourage all of our dads to step up and make Jesus more famous at home. Declare his worth, dads. Affirm his power. Proclaim his goodness. Uphold his glory. I mean, our kids need to to hear. They need to know that mom and dad and grandma and grandpa think that Jesus is the best thing ever. They need to know that. They need to feel that. So let's make God famous in our homes. Here's another helpful suggestion from Psalm 78. Teach God's word to your children. Verses 5 and 6, God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So you see, the burden of Psalm 78 is is, is making sure that the coming generations are, are hearing about the wonderful things that God has done that the certainty and clarity of what God has delivered to us are emphasized in the twin expressions testimony and law coming from verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob, and he appointed a law in Israel. In in other words, another way of saying this is to say that there, there is a specific deposit of truth that we can point to. A particular accumulation of facts, a verifiable body of truth, and a meticulous pattern to follow. This has been established for us. We have both the testimony of God and the law of God recorded for us in a book. And the name of that book is the Bible. (laughs) And if God is more important than anything, then the Bible is more important than anything but God. The Bible should not be just one book among many books in our homes. It should be the central book. It should be the one book that invades our homes and our hearts with the goodness and grace of Almighty God. We need to be people of the book, right? We need to be people of the book. 
We need to know this book so that we can teach this book to our children and our grandchildren. We need to be people of the book. We need to be people of the book because of Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We need to be people of the book because of 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The scriptures inspired we need to be people of the book because of 1 Peter 1.23. We've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And I could, I could keep going and going and going. There are so many reasons why we should uh, teach God's word to our kids and to our kids' kids and also to our church. So many good reasons. God has called us to teach his word, his inspired word, his life-giving, life-changing word to those in our sphere of influence so that we can reach the coming generations. An author by the name of John Nielsen gives us some really good tips on how to teach the Bible at home. Pick a regular time and place for Bible reading, he says. Number two, read short chunks of Scripture. Number three, stop to explain and engage the comprehension of your, 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 your children. Number four, think of age-appropriate questions for discussion. Number five, connect each passage to Jesus. Number six, let Bible reading lead to prayer. And all of these, all of these tips are listed for you on the YouVersion Bible app for those of you who have the app and are using that app, YouVersion Bible app. We need to reach the coming generations with the gospel of God. And so, make God famous in your family and teach God's word to your children. And thirdly, exalt God as your only hope. According to verses 6 and 7, we hear and receive the word of God and teach it to the next generation so that they put their hope in God alone. Verse 7 says, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. So here the, the main burden of Psalm 78 is, is stated in positive and negative terms. In positive terms, they should set their hope in God. In, in negative terms, they should not forget the works of God. Hope is a very personal powerful, intimate experience. And we want that for our children, right? We want that for our children and our children's children. We want that for our families, don't we? Of course we do. And, and in both directions, actually. We want that for our parents. We want our parents to experience a deep and abiding hope in the living God. And we want our children also to, to have a meaningful, growing personal relationship with Jesus. And so we elevate Jesus Christ as our only hope. He's the hope of the ages. He's the hope of the church. He's the hope of the world. He's the, he's the hope of the universe. We exalt Jesus as our hope and trust him to use our testimony to draw men and women and boys and girls to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Mary Grams lives in Alberta, 
A few years ago, she was working in her garden when she lost her engagement ring. Somehow it came off of her hand. We looked high and low on our hands and knees, Mary said. We couldn't find it. I thought for sure it got buried by the rotor tiller. Mary went out quickly and bought a replacement engagement ring because she thought her husband would be angry that she lost the one he'd given her. But last summer, the ring turned up. It it turned up on a carrot that Mary's daughter-in-law pulled out of the garden. The the carrot had grown through the ring, and when when Mary's daughter-in-law pulled the carrot up, the engagement ring came with it. Folks, as we, as, we, as we dig into God's word and, and teach God's truth to the next generation, they will see the treasure and, and they will put their hope in God. That, that's the way it works. So, so let's do that. Let's dig and teach. Let, let's dig deep and teach well. Paul writes to young Pastor Timothy in 1 Peter 4.10, We have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Amen. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So we exalt him as our only hope, and we pray that the coming generation will follow suit and do the same. Put their hope in God. Finally, as we seek to reach the coming generations with the good news of Jesus Christ, let's emphasize the urgency of obedience. Emphasize the urgency of obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, our our confidence in God, rooted in the knowledge of God's word, ought to lead to a life of obedience and faithfulness without complaint. If you love me, You will keep my commandments. James also wrote, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, James 1.22. And back to Psalm 78, speaking again of the coming generations, our children and grandchildren, and their children as well. The psalmist says in verse 8, they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. See, the writer is, oh, painfully honest (laughs) about previous generations in Israel that were not faithful to God. And and he's saying, in effect, don't be like them. Don't be like those rebellious, wilderness-wandering Jews. They rejected God's word. They spurned the prophets. They revolted in the wilderness. They were stubborn and rebellious people. Don't be like them. And let's do everything we can as parents and grandparents to make sure that our kids and grandkids don't become like them either. That's precisely why I encourage you today to make God famous in your family and teach God's word to your children and exalt God as your only hope and emphasize the urgency of obedience. We surely don't want the next generation to be spiritually stubborn and rebellious. We don't want that. During the covenant renewal that took place in Shechem, recorded in Joshua 24, Joshua challenges the people of Israel. He challenges them with these words. Choose this day whom you will serve, he said. Are you going to serve the gods of your fathers? 
Are you going to serve the gods of pagan nations? And then he went on to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, I can just see Joshua standing before the people. Who are you going to serve? Huh? Who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, we're serving the king. We're serving the Lord. That ought to be the battle cry of every father in our audience today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The infinite wisdom and majesty of God is put on display when you and your family follow Jesus and obey Him. It glorifies God. It brings glory to God every time. Jesus said in John 14, 23, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Salvation by grace alone does not make obedience optional. Obedience is the lifelong calling for followers of Christ like us. It's a hymn of gratitude to the God who, who met you where you were and did for you what you could never do for yourself. So we obey him to say thank you. I really love the promise of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. That verse says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. <laughs> oh, won't that be a great day? Israel existed in part so that the other nations, all other nations, might come to know the true God. The prophets, the prophets of old nurtured the hope that one day God's glory would fill the whole earth. And that's going to happen. I, I'm not predicting when, how, but it's going to happen. It, that's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. And, and, and the, the exciting thing is that we get to be part of that right here and right now. We get to be part of the process of God filling the earth with the knowledge of his glory. We get to be part of that. How? By taking personal responsibility for sharing the gospel with the coming generations so that they too may know this God of glory. Come on, dads, we can do this. It's Father's Day weekend. Let's, let's stand up and, 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 and take on the challenge. We can do this. We can do this. Write it on every wall. Sing it in every room. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so what needs to happen? What needs to happen? Where will you start to do this? Make God famous in your family or teach God's word to your children, or exalt God as your only hope, or emphasize the urgency of obedience? Where could you begin? Where could you start? Pick just one of those <laughs> and get started. And who will help you in this? Your wife, your kids, your pastor, an elder, your small group? Make yourself accountable for what you're going to do about it. And, and last question, when will you start? Today, I hope. Father's Day is a good day to start. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, it really is an unparalleled joy to acknowledge you as our Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for adopting us through the finished work of Jesus. Thank you for freeing us from our, our slavery to sin and our orphan-like ways. And, and thank you for giving us the spirit of sonship 
a secure place in your family. And, and thank you for giving us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, that's kept in heaven for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for promising to complete the work that you have begun in us and for always and only disciplining us in love, even when it hurts. Father, we thank you for grace to acknowledge our failings as parents and for promising us the strength we need to humble ourselves before our children and just trust you, trust you to write the stories of redemption in our families. Oh, please do that, Father, to your glory. And lastly, Father, we thank you for the, the spiritual fathers that you've given us, the dads of grace in this congregation, in our lives, who help us discover more and more of the multidimensional love of Jesus. As for me and my house, and as for me and my church, and as for my brothers in Christ and their homes, we will serve the Lord. We pray this all in the strong and tender name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.